Well, good morning. Good morning. You know, it's, it's awkward. It's always awkward when clapping and prayer collide, which just happened. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing to respond to words like, you're altogether worthy, you're altogether lovely, you're altogether wonderful to me, and just praise God. We, we, we give adoration to so many things, so many things. And uh, we go to concerts, we go to games, we go to all these things, and, and our, our highest form of adoration in, in this culture, at least, is applause. And uh, man, God is good. He's so good. And so, yeah, it was interrupted before, but I think it would be good, man, just to respond to God and say, God, we love you. We thank you. Uh, man, if, if this is your first time here this morning, we're glad you're here. How many students from Ohio State are here this morning? New, first time. You've never been here before, though, okay? First time? Not that we don't care about those of you who have been here, but, man, we're glad you're here. Like, First week of school, so if they look a little tired, then that's probably why. But man, we're glad you're here this morning, and, and uh, yeah, very cool. But um, I just love, I love times, um, if this is your first time here, this is a little different this morning than we normally do. It's just nice for me sometimes. We just kind of take the band away and, and kind of get quiet in our worship before God. And I just love that, and, and it's just, uh, man, when I can come before Him and just sing with just... Uh, less sound sometimes it's just good for me and, and i hope that's good for you too but um man if uh if you haven't been here the last two weeks we've been talking uh kind of going through a series in the midst of a series we're, we're actually the big picture series that we're doing is we're going through the book of acts uh and and going verse by verse through the book of acts and so we're we're on a, a long long road to, to make it through this book um, but in the midst of that, we've, we've come across this, this passage in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. It really talks about how the early believers were so devoted to God. And not only were they devoted to God, they were, they were, they were so devoted to God, they were, de- they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. What that means is they, they just did what God told them to do. <laughs> Whatever He said, he, they would do it. And, and they were devoted to fellowship. They loved each other so much. And, and we talked about last week how they were devoted to breaking of bread. And really, that's what we do in church when we take communion, where Jesus said, remember the body, remember the blood that was shed for you. And we take uh, the bread and the cup as a, as, a, as a time where we just focus and remember on what Christ did for us so that we can have forgiveness of sins. And then uh, the other thing it says, they're devoted to prayer. I mean, it's just people who are devoted to God, and, and we've been talking about that, and uh, and this week something interesting happened. On Tuesday, um, Shauna called me. That's not the interesting thing. She calls me a lot, and that's that's a normal great thing. But um, she called me on Tuesday, and we're homeschooling this year, uh, and it's going great. She's a champion, and and uh, just amazing. We have a six-year-old. We also have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and an eight-month-old. And so there's a circus at the house, and she's teaching in the midst of it, and it's wonderful. She's a champion. But we're homeschooling. She called me and, and on Tuesday, and, and she said, we're getting ready to start this subject, but uh, Alden has a question for you. Alden's our six-year-old. And so I said, great. Uh, put him on the phone. And she said, why don't we put it on speakerphone? Okay. So he, you know, she puts it on speakerphone. I'm like, hey, buddy, how you doing? He's like, good. And he says this. He says, Dad, how come God makes some people who don't believe in him? All right. And so I was like, okay, I love you too, buddy. Bye-bye. <laughs> like, I mean, it was just like, ah. Oh. And there was a sense of just, and I, my first response is, whoa, Alden, that is such a big question. Like, 
I was so thankful at that moment. I'll be totally honest. I mean, some of you may hear that and just be like, Lord, let me just take a moment out of the service and pray that my six-year-old never asked me that question. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know what you're feeling, but I was just so thankful. And I took the time and, and, and just told him, and, and, and to give you a brief answer of what I said was, was you know, Alden, first of all, one thing we've got to know about God is, is the Bible tells us he's so far above us. There's a, there's a passage in Isaiah 55 that says his ways are, are way higher than our ways and his understanding is way higher than our understanding. And, and so the first thing we have to approach about God is that we, he's just way above us. The second thing, Alden, we have to talk about is he's good. He's very, very, very good. But we have to acknowledge the fact that he does make some people that don't believe in him. And he makes some people that do and I said, Alden, why does God make all things? Why does he make all things? And he said, for his own glory. Exactly. Exactly. Whether he makes people who believe in him or whether he makes people who don't believe in him, it's for his glory. And we've got to come back to this one thing, Alden, is God is way bigger than us, and he is very, very good. And to put it in the words of Romans 9, if he makes some for good, it's for his glory. And if he makes some for destruction, it's for his glory. But my role in the midst of that is, God, I want to seek you. I want to live for your glory. Alden, we've got to live for the glory of God. We've got to live for who he is and not be the vessel that's made for destruction. How would you answer that? I mean, if you're six-year-old, if you had a six-year-old and he came up to you and said, Mom, Dad, why does God make some people who don't believe in him? The reason I bring it up is because as soon as I hung up the phone, it was literally as I'm talking about this to Alden, I'm like, Lord, I believe this. I mean, this is the Bible. This is what the Bible says. Romans 9 is so clear about this. And I'm not going to apologize about it, Lord. I'm not going to apologize to my kid and say, no, 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 no. God would never do that, buddy. God wouldn't make someone who doesn't believe it. No, never, ever say that. I'm not going to apologize to my son. I'm not going to apologize to my kids because God is God. And I absolutely want my boys to have a high view of God. I don't want them to have a, a less view of God. I don't want to have them have a view of God that they can somehow bring down to their level or something. I want them to have a high view of God. But what I'm afraid of is when people ask us questions like that, we don't have a high enough view of God that we can say, listen, God is God and we are not. God is great, and we are not. The greatest thing about answering that question to Alden was this. The whole time I'm saying this, I'm just saying, God, I believe this is what the Bible teaches. Do I genuinely believe in the midst of all this that you are very good? Do I know in my heart that you are very, very good? I was talking about this uh, with, with a group of people this week, and uh, Caressa brought up that uh, she's a nanny. There's a six-year-old that she nannies, and, and uh, she was reading the Bible to the six-year-old. And uh, this six-year-old asked this question, beautiful question. He says, how come God never says please or thank you? How come God never says please or thank you? Well, that's a real easy answer. He didn't have to. He's the one person that doesn't have to. He's the one being that doesn't have to. God is God, and we're not. And so as I was thinking through that, I just thought, man, are we so devoted to God, so in love with God, so treasuring God 
that we're not going to apologize for him. We're not going to try to dumb him down. We're not going to try to lessen the blow of who God is and just try to tell people, no, 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 no. Because really that's the temptation in our heart. If our son or our daughter comes up and says, Dad, Mom, why does God make people who don't believe in him? Our, our flesh response, our initial response wants to say to him, Honey, honey, God would never do that. Don't say that. God is so loving. He's so good. And he is. He's so loving and he's so good. And we don't want to answer the tough questions and just come to the point in our life where we say, God is God and he is amazing and he is great and he's so far above my understanding and he made me for his glory and I'm going to live for the glory of God. We're going to talk about God today. I thought about that. I thought, man, okay, God, if we're going to be devoted to you, we have to treasure you. And if we're going to be treasuring you, then we have to know you. We have to know who you are. We have to come before you as God, not as some great man or not as some good, 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 good person. We have to come before you as God, as the creator of the universe, as the one who spoke this into existence, as the one who made us, who pieced us together. If we're going to be devoted to you, if we're going to treasure you, then we've got to come before you as you. And not something that we're just hoping we can make you into or not something that we're just just kind of hoping if I can just pull God down a little bit to my level, then maybe I can attain to him better. But no, just saying, God, you are God and you're far above my understanding, way above my comprehension. And you are good. And I love you. And so we're going to look at a passage today that's outside of the book of Acts. And uh, it's Isaiah chapter 40, right in the middle of your Bible. Actually, if, uh, if you picked up a Bible from the back, you can turn to page 600, and it'll be there. Um, reading from the English Standard Version, which is what we have in the back there. I'm going to read several verses. I want to take my time reading this and, and uh, really just asking that we meditate, meditate on the verses and it's 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 all talking about god and who he is and what he's like and his bigness his greatness and so just really want to take time reading through this and and just encourage you to think think about what does that mean about god as we as we read through the passage Uh, but i'm going to pray and then we're going to start with verse 12 from isaiah 40 god you are amazing and you are so far above our understanding my words are less than mediocre there's no way that i can explain you this morning there's no way that i can say things that will give people a picture of who you are unless you intervene unless you move unless you speak unless you work unless you do what only you can do then these words are meaningless god we cannot understand you we cannot even comprehend the slightest part of you unless you open our eyes unless you speak to our hearts i pray god that you would meet us here i pray that you would speak to us i pray that we would leave here with a high view of who you are and why we exist i praise you and thank you for all that you've done help us to be people who are devoted to you god help us to treasure you above all things We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, starting with verse uh, 12. 
says this, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretch out the who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. The tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We're going to talk about God today. Uh, We're not going to have a two-point or a four-point or an any-point message that just says, do this and your life will be better, or do this and you'll be a better follower of God. We're just going to talk about God. We're going to talk about what He's like and who He is and, and, and really ultimately the purpose and reason why we ought to be treasuring Him above everything else in our life. Uh, there's a passage in, in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, The God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Two verses later, it says, but God has shown in our hearts that we see the light of the knowledge of the gospel of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
Man, my desire for me and my desire for every single person that is sitting here is that we treasure God, that we worship God, that we love God, that we follow God, that we just see God as the greatest thing that we could ever find and give our lives to Him. But we are not capable of doing that unless God intervenes. Unless He, like 2 Corinthians says, unless He shines in our hearts so that we can see that He is great. And that's my prayer for today. My prayer is that we would just set everything else aside. I mean, every single person here has an agenda. Everybody, whether it's their job tomorrow, whether it's school tomorrow, whether it's something, we have things that are going on in our minds and lists that we're going through and things we've got to accomplish today before we get to school tomorrow or to work tomorrow. And what I'm asking is that we just set that aside and say, God, help. Help me. I've got so many things going on inside of me, and God, I need you to shine in my heart, and I need to see Jesus. I need to see God. I need to see what he's like, and I want to treasure him above all things. That's my prayer for us today. That's my prayer. We're going to look at this passage um, and take several pieces of it. But we're going to start in, in, in Isaiah 40, verse 12. In that first line, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Who has measured the waters in the hollow? You know what the hollow of your hand is? It's just this. It's just this. To, to give you a picture, you see that? Okay, that's how much water I can hold in the hollow of my hand. It's, it's funny, right? And I don't hold it very well. It leaks. But what is this saying? God, God holds in his hand the waters of the earth, not the waters of Ice Mountain. Okay? Not the waters of Alum Creek Lake. Like, I, I go by Alum Creek Lake and I think of the water that is just in that one body. And it says, no, 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 that's little. That's small. That's insignificant. It says, who, who holds the waters of the entire, worth, uh, entire earth in the hollow of his hand? Who can do that? God. I mean, if we're honest, we can stop right there. We can stop at that part alone. We don't have to go any further in Isaiah 40. And we ought to, if we are right thinking people, we ought to stop and say, God, I'm going to go ahead and jump in with the psalmist and say, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You're enough. You're enough. You're big enough. You are mighty enough. You are God enough. You are enough for me. God is way above our thinking. I don't know if any of you can stop and comprehend something that can hold the waters of the entire earth in the hollow of his hand. But if so, we got to get together more often because I just don't think that big, okay? I don't think that big. And it says, God, God can do it. Who can do that? God can do it. The next part, who's marked off the heavens with a span? Who is marked off the heavens with a span? You know what the span of your hand is? It's this. They, they measure that way. And so you say, how big is that? That's about two spans. Well, that means it's two of these. It says God marks off the heavens with a span. God marks off the heavens with a span. I don't know if you've walked outside at night lately. It's pretty clear lately. It's been beautiful the last two weeks. And just go at night and you just look up. 
And it's, it's, it's overwhelming. I mean, just stars and stars and stars. And you just, you just feel like you can reach up and there they are. And it's just like, and that's just what we can see. And we know they go on and on and on and on and on. It says God marks that off with his hand. He marks that off. He just measures it off with his hand. Do we have that kind of a a picture of God? Do you have that kind of a picture of God? Or really, if we're just honest, I mean, if we just get down and be honest, really God for me is just this old, old guy up in heaven who's sitting in a chair looking over the earth. What's this person doing? What's this guy doing? What's he getting into now? And he's not really this all-knowing, all-consuming, all way above our thinking, all-powerful being who's up there, who is able to speak the world into existence. Is that God to you? Or is it just this old guy? He's just getting older and older and older up there. And he's just kind of looking over the earth and seeing. Or is it really God? We have this picture of God that is so far above. We're just trying to grasp for what could he be like? What could God be like? If, If it explains him this way, what could God be like? He says he measured off with the span of his hand. You know, I think of like... um I, I love astrology and, and stuff like that. And just, I like when people tell me about it. I, I don't, astronomy is even better. Oh, man. Wow, thank you so much. Wow, that's, it's awesome. Uh, anyway, I love astronomy. Let's start the recording back up right there. I'm just kidding. Um, I just love it. I love that's so rad, man. That's one of the best things I've said up here. Um, it's just so amazing. I love when people talk to me about it because I don't like study in depth and all that stuff. But um, but man, we're still discovering the heavens. I, I mean, we haven't found the end yet. We haven't found where does it stop yet. We're still discovering. And God says, I've marked it off with my hand. God is huge. He's way above our thinking. That next part, who's measured the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountain in scales and the hills in a balance. I love mountains. We used to, my wife and I lived in the state of Washington for a year and they're pretty good about mountains there, like just beautiful. I remember the first time that I went to Seattle and and, uh, it was actually in Kent, Washington, just outside of Seattle. Got up early in the morning. We flew in at night, got up early in the morning. I was in a, a, a band that toured in college, and we were going to a church that morning. So didn't see anything flying in. I got up, and I was at this host home that lived down the street from the church. So my friend and I decided, we're just going to walk to church. We'll just walk up the hill to church. I had never seen Mount Rainier, and I'd never seen anything like Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier is over 14,000 feet, snow-covered, just amazing. Um, and so I'm walking up this hill to, to head up to the church. I look over. First time I see Mount Rainier, it literally takes my breath away. I mean, literally, I'm just like, I've never seen anything so grand in my entire life. And it was just, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I was just stuck in this spot looking at this mountain and just feeling very small and just in awe of the beauty of this mountain. And I think of that now in, in relation to God. And that's just tiny majesty. I mean, God measured and weighed the mountains. And all of these mountains that I stand in awe of, that's just tiny, puny majesty. God is real majesty. God is real splendor. God is real treasure. God is, 
He created them and He weighed them in, in a balance. And when we stand before things like that and we're just overwhelmed, we're overwhelmed. You stand at the Grand Canyon, you're overwhelmed and you feel so small and God says, those are tiny. They're just little things. Look at me, see me and find me. Verse 14, uh, 13 and 14, who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Man, that's an indictment. It's not written that way, but it certainly is. I mean, how often do we want to give advice to God? I mean, we want to be in charge of the direction of God. We, when we do pray, it's, Lord, don't let this happen. Lord, you've got to do this. Lord, you know, we can go extreme. And some of you may have prayed this prayer if you have. Join the crowd of about a million people, okay? But Lord, if you just do this, I promise. I promise I'll go to church every Sunday for the next month. I promise, Lord, if you just do this one thing. If you do this, I'll follow you, Lord. I'll believe in you. And we want to counsel God. Who counsels God? Who gives him counsel? Who gave him counsel? No one. Who gave him understanding? No one. He's God. He's God. He didn't need it. He had it. He gives it. He shares some of it with us. He's God and he's far above our understanding and far above our counsel. You know, I love that when, when, when Caressa was saying about the, the, the boy that, that she uh, nannies. Why doesn't he say please and thank you? Because he doesn't need to. He's the one being that can say do this. Do it. And that's okay. He doesn't need to say it. You know, I think of that verse um, that we just read there. uh, Who taught him the path of justice? We like this, right? We want justice from God. We want an answer from God, really. I mean, we want to come before God and God, we want answers. We want to know. You got to tell us why this, why this, why this, why this? Why no justice? Why is there evil? I mean, that's the most common question, right? God, if you're loving and if you're real, then how come this? How come this happened? How come this happened? How come this happened? We want justice. I heard someone uh, speaking this summer, and it was beautiful. They were talking about that very question. It's a question that everyone asks. There's a loving God. How come there's evil in the world? How can you let that happen? And this guy turned the question around. I'm going to share that with you this morning. Because if we really are his creatures, if we really are his creation, this is really the fair question, right? Instead of coming before God and saying, we, we have rights and we demand that you tell us, why is this? Why is there evil? Why is there bad stuff if you're such a loving God? Why don't we turn the question around and be fair and say, if, if there really is a just and righteous and holy God, How does he know what I thought and did yesterday and not kill me in my sleep last night? Why is that? Grace. Grace. God owes us nothing. He doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe you any answers. He doesn't owe me any answers. And in light of that, in, in the midst of all of that, I'll give you grace, though. You don't deserve to live but I'll I'll give you breath. I know what you did in spite of what I said, 
in spite of what I told you not to do, in spite of how I set a course for you to live, I know what you thought yesterday. I know what you did yesterday. I'll let you go on. I'll let you live. I'll give you grace. And for many of us, I'll give you forgiveness. Man, God doesn't owe us anything. Who gives him counsel? Who gives him understanding? No one. He doesn't need it. He is well in control of all that. He's done a pretty good job for 10,000 years or whatever, 6,000 years or whatever this earth has been. He's done a really good job, and he's never come to me. I, I Literally, I can assure you, he's never come to me and said, Tony, I need some advice on this. I just don't understand your kids. What do you want me to do? What, what, how can I lead them? How can I bring them to me? How? He doesn't need advice. He doesn't need counsel. He's God. Verses 15 through 17. Just look at it verse 17. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. I was thinking about that verse this way. I thought about um, the military of the United States. Uh, it's pretty powerful. I don't know if you noticed uh, in the last however long you've lived. I mean, the weapons that, that they have and they use is scary. I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful. And I imagine, like I was thinking through, I'm like, here's all the weapons that we know of that they have and they use and scary. And like, I can imagine they probably have things that we don't know of that are even scarier. And God says, nothing and emptiness. It's nothing and it's emptiness. He's not afraid of the army in the United States. In fact, he's not afraid of the armies of the entire world. He's not afraid of the nations. He's not afraid of, of you. He's not afraid of me. He's God. And he looks at nations, the most powerful, the mediocre, the weak, the poor, the rich, all nations. And he says, emptiness, meaningless, nothing. I'm God and you are man. Do we think of God that way? Do we think of God as that big? Do we think of God as Really, this God who's over all of the earth and all powerful and all knowing and everywhere. Do we think of God that way? Go to verse 18. It says, to whom then will you liken him? Who will you liken God to or what likeness compare? Are you going to make an idol? Are you just going to come up with an idea of who you think God would be like? This is how Jesus really was. This is how he really lived. This is what he really did. Don't pay attention to what it says here. Don't pay attention to what it says there. This is what Jesus was really like. Are you going to come up with another idea? Who are you going to compare him with? What are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God as he is? Are you going to come up with a better idea of what God would be like? God says, I'm God. I'm God. Come before me and serve me and devote yourself to me. Give your life to me. It goes on in, in verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Who sits above the circle of the earth. Imagine, you know, I've seen... Um, pictures from nasa where the astronauts will take a picture looking down on the earth just amazing it says that god sits above all of that and looks at the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers i started thinking about that and how we approach god 
and how we just come before God and, and we'll demand things or, or we'll, we'll expect things or, or whatever. And it says, in, in here it says we're just grasshoppers. You know, I have four boys. Uh, Sammy is two years old. Definitely uh, our interesting one. Uh, he's been the curveball in the whole mix. And, and uh, Sammy, man, I mean, he'll come out, he'll say to me and, and to Shauna sometimes, um, he's not allowed to do this, by the way, just to let you know ahead of time. But we'll say something to him to correct him or to lead him or instruct him. And he'll say sometimes this for a second. Uh, you don't talk to me that way. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, really? Watch this. Like, that was nothing just like a second ago. Watch this. And that's just Sammy. Like, even in our home, in our home, we know you don't have the right to talk to me, the parent, that way. And you're not going to do that. And we're going to set boundaries and, and, and instruct you and lead you in the way of righteousness so that you don't do that anymore. But he doesn't compare us to children. He goes way, way, way lower than that. We're like grasshoppers. I brought a grasshopper this morning, okay? I'm going to get him out because this guy is super fast. I call him Pete. All right, come here, buddy. A couple more tricks and you got total freedom, I promise. Come on, there he is. You see him? Look at that. He's fast. That's why I'm not going to let him out. I tried once. Um, That's Pete. Have you ever looked in the face of a grasshopper? Man. It'll change your life. Um, But imagine this grasshopper coming up to any one of you, okay? Just imagine with me. Little Pete here. Set him free after the service. You going out in the parking lot. Here comes little Pete. Just a buddy. Comes up to you. You don't talk that way to me. No, you don't say that to me. Whatever it is, just coming up and demanding answers from you. I mean, why do you do this? How come some of you people step on us? If you're such loving people, how come we get stepped on? If you're such loving people, how come you allow grasshoppers all over the earth to get stepped on? Stomp. I mean, really, right? That's what our response is. Right? Little Pete's going to be freed, I promise, all right? But imagine that. Imagine if this little grasshopper comes up to you and says... I got some questions, and you better have some answers. What'd you do after laughing? <laughs> Hi, little Pete. You're going to go for a ride, right? But that's what we do to God. It says we're just little grasshoppers, and, we just, and yet we just hop right up to God. Hey, I got some questions, and you're going to give me some answers. And God doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to give us answers. He doesn't owe us anything. He's God. And the beauty of all this, okay, the beauty of all this is God could just be up there and be this hard, hateful, wrath-filled God. He wouldn't be God if he was hateful, but he could. He has every right to, right? He's God. He created us. He could do whatever he wants. And he's over us. He could, he could squash us. I mean, if, if Michael comes up to him and says, I got some questions and you're going to give me the answers. Stomp. I mean, he could do that, right? In fact, I love this in, in, uh, in verse 24. It says, it's talking about rulers. 
but we're less than rulers even, so let's go down to grasshopper level, all right? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. He's in control, in other words, of all rulers, of all, he's in control of everything. And so really, if I come hopping up to God, God, I got questions and you better have some answers. I mean, he could be a God that just says, there's my answer. What was your question again? Right? But he's not. I mean, as, as big and as powerful and as, and as amazing and as far above us as he is. And he lets us in. He opens himself to us and says, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want to have a fellowship with you like you never, ever experienced. I want you to find the greatest treasure you will ever find. You have found treasures in your life and they haven't lasted. But I want you to find me because I will last. I will be the greatest treasure you can ever find. The last verses in this passage, starting with verse 28, it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. To think that the God of the universe who holds the waters in the hollow of his hand, who, whose span is the heavens, and says, I love you, and I want a relationship with you, and I want you to know me. I want you to know me, and I want you to know that I gave my son because you needed something. You needed forgiven so that we could have a relationship. And so I gave my son. He was perfect, and I gave him, and I gave his life so that by his death, you can have forgiveness of sins. And I want you, and I invite you to come in, and I invite you to know me. There's a great passage, Zephaniah 3.17. It says, he rejoices over you with singing, with loud singing. He's mighty to save. He exalts over you with thanksgiving and He rejoices over you with loud singing. That's God. Bigger than we could ever comprehend. Far above anything that we could comprehend. And in the midst of all of it, He says, come to me. I want to know you and I want you to experience something like you've never experienced before. I want you to experience the greatest treasure you've ever, ever, ever imagined. And I'm going to have a relationship with you in which I exalt over you with thanksgiving and I rejoice over you with loud singing. That's God. And unless we come before God and and see him as he really is, we'll never treasure him. And if we don't treasure him, we never, ever will be devoted to him. And my prayer is today, 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 that you would see God as God, not as anything you've made up in your mind, not as anything you've decided in your mind, but seeing, God, you are all-powerful, you're all-knowing, you're, you're everything. You're far above my understanding. You created me, and, and, and in the midst of creating me, you've, you've offered yourself to me. My prayer is today that you accept 
man, that you will accept and that you will just fall on your face. Not, not just literally surrendering and saying, God, I don't know why you would offer yourself to me. I don't know why you would forgive me for what I did yesterday and the day before and the day before and the year before and the year before. I don't know why you would do that. I have no idea. But if you're such a loving, gracious, all-powerful God, I give up. And I just want to treasure you and I want to know you. And that's my challenge today is that, man, just give yourself to him. Maybe you've been walking as a Christian for years, but you've never treasured him. Maybe you prayed a prayer sometime. Maybe you think, you know, back when you got things right, but you've never treasured him. You've never devoted yourself to him. That's what Jesus says to do. So if you're going to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Give yourself to him today. We're going to sing another song. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And while they do, Matt, I just, I'm going to be praying for you. And if you're at that spot where you just haven't surrendered your life to God, Matt, I, I challenge you and encourage you, do it today. This last part of this passage is just as true as the first several verses. Yeah, God is overwhelming. He's far above anything we can understand, but he is so loving. And we give ourselves to him. And, when, and the wording of it is, if we wait for him, he will renew our strength. We'll mount up with wings like eagles. And the greatest treasure in our life will become God, not things that fade. Not things that don't last, but God. Man, if you want to pray with someone, I'll be up here. I would love to pray with you. If, if there's more than one of you, we'll get someone else to come and pray with you too. And, and just, man, today, today, we, we put this off. We put God off all the time. But if God is God, if He really is God, then, man, then it, it demands immediate response. If He's God, then I should run to Him. And I should beg Him, God, forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me. I didn't know. I didn't see. But now I do, and I want you. I want you more than anything. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Your grace, God, that reaches far beyond our sins, that reaches far beyond our mistakes, that reaches far beyond our comprehension, Lord, that reaches into us to forgive us We don't deserve that and we don't, we've done nothing to earn that. We could do nothing to earn that. It's just your grace. And so God, I pray first of all that you would shine in our hearts, that we would see, that we would see the greatness of you in the face of Jesus Christ. That we would see and acknowledge you are God and we are not, we're nothing. You've created us and, and you owe us nothing and yet you've offered us everything. God, may we see you and treasure you and run to you, bowing before you and surrendering our lives to you. May we be a people who are devoted to you, God. Not just in this hour, not just in this moment, but God, you would change us, that you would renew our strength, that we would mount up with wings, even as eagles and soar. Because the greatest treasure of our life is the God of the universe. And our God can hold the waters in the hollow of His hand. Our God can mark off the heavens with a span. Our God needs no counsel. Our God needs no understanding. 
Our God is God. And we submit to you. Help us to do that. Give us faith, God. Give us faith. Open our eyes and help us to see. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.